Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. All free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, happy Monday. Welcome to the Super Talk Eagle Hour from the Southern Bancorp Studio in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Bob and Kelly here in foggy Hattiesburg. Luke at the Southern Bancorp Studio at Laurel. We're glad you're with us. Lots to talk about. A 10-year NFL veteran and former Southern Miss tight end coach Chris Mangum will be here later in the show. We'll be talking to him about the his uh, coaching tenure at Southern Miss, his great NFL career, and we're going to keep him around and uh, do some uh, talk later in the show about the championship games yesterday the Bengals got hosed. Uh, <laughs> the officials are so damn corrupt. Is, is Chris Mangum going to tell us, too, how, how Patrick Mahomes is the second coming of Christ? I <laughs> hope not, because I heard that for about seven hours yesterday. <laughs> that is for absolute sure. All right, I got to talk briefly about basketball. I was at the uh, baseball scrimmage uh Saturday, a lot to tell you about there, and uh, we happen to have uh, an interview with a guy that hit three moon shots, I mean moon shots, uh, in the baseball scrimmage. Uh, but first, let's get to, uh, well, first let me thank Dickie's Barbecue for yes. sponsoring the Eagle Hour and all they do. Great place to take your family, great place to cater your next event. Dickie's Barbecue right by the mall in Hattiesburg. Uh, the food is always delicious. All right, basketball, women, uh they they lose 67-58, much closer, though, than it sounded. Uh, they were behind bad in the first quarter, fought back, tied the game, went into overtime, uh, and then it got away from them in overtime. The end of a four-game road trip, got to wonder if they weren't a little weary uh, after all of that traveling. Uh, but they're back home now, and uh, the, the Lady Eagles uh, will be back home and they will be here for, for a while, and, and uh, that's a good thing for them. They lost 62-52 to a really good Texas State team. Right. Uh, effort was really good. Lady Eagles now 14-7. and Yeah, they're back, I think, for four in a row, and included in that homestand, Bob, is going to be that February 9th. All Southern Miss fans need to circle Thursday, February 9th. It'll be a women's and men's Sunbelt basketball doubleheader. Really? Yeah, the women are going to play at 5. Really? And then the men are going to play at 7.30 against the Ragin' Cajuns. Well, we've said that should always be the case. I didn't know that. I'm excited to hear that. And, and yeah, both, both men's teams Good. now are tied Good. for first place. So. All right, yeah, the, women play women play Texas State at five o'clock, and that'll actually be I think you you may have said it, Kelly, Military Appreciation Day, and the and the men play right after it. But that is exciting. that basically gives you the entire afternoon to tailgate right on that Thursday. There right? you go. All right, the men win sixty seven fifty eight. Pretty tough game against Texas State. 
a lot of pushing and shoving and and very physical. It continues to be very physical men's basketball. Uh, Austin Crowley, Felipe Hase, DeAndre Pinckney combined for 51 points. Uh, the 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 great trio there. I'll tell I'll tell you one thing, Luke. When it comes to the conference tournament, I don't want to play Texas State. I no. mean, when you look at when you look, now they've lost quite a few games here in a row, but when you look at every game they've lost, you know it's like fifty-seven to fifty-four, sixty-one to fifty-eight, you know, fifty-nine to fifty-seven. I mean, every game that they have played, they've lost. It's seemingly the last five or six. But, man, every game has been so close. And as physical as they are, that is a team that, man, yeah, again, pretty tough. I don't want to play them down in uh, Pensacola. I don't either. I mean, they, they are the, – their coach, we talked to Brent Freeman on Friday, you know, their coach, uh, Coach Johnson, back-to-back Sunbelt Coach of the Years. They had won um, the regular season, you know, multiple times. And, you know, as close as they played the Golden Eagles, I don't think Harold played Saturday, and that was their best player. Brent told us uh, uh, about him. They'd been without him. So, you know, this is the thing. It's not just Texas State, but now, you know, you look at with, with the standing, Southern Miss and Louisiana with Marshall losing last week – all alone together, eight and, and two. What that means is, guys, you're going to get everybody's best shot going forward. Who would have thought in this year that Southern Miss, the rest of the season, would be the circled date on the calendar for every opponent? But that's where you're at right now. So, I mean, Texas State, scrappy, forced us uh, you know, in, into uh, to pulling away late. Golden Eagles did. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just that's the kind of season it's going to be going forward, knowing that you're first and everybody wants to knock you off the hill. Yeah, let's go back real quickly to the women. We should point out, too, that Dominique Davis, who is the best scorer on the Lady Eagle team, injured her back again uh, early in the ball game, and so they were without her for three quarters of the game uh, and still managed to take it. Uh, how about this, Kelly? What if I told you Dominique Davis is not going to be able to play? The Lady Eagles will have 28 turnovers against a team that had won 14 games and they would take it to overtime. 28 turn all, all you would have had to tell me is 28 turnovers, and I wouldn't even have thought they would have gotten to overtime. Yeah. And not a good number. Yeah, no question. So uh, Lady Eagles are at home. The guys uh, now go on the road for a while. That women's team needs some rest, man. They've been traveling uh, all over the country. The men will, will travel to Troy on Thursday. That's going to be a battle. Uh over in Troy, and then they head to the ATL. I talked to um, Bad Bunny, Bob. I think he's uh, think he's going to be in the ATL this weekend. I might have to hang out with him and go over there. Yeah, I the... thought about. I saw where. Not that I'll be tuned in to the uh, was it the Grammy Awards? The Grammy Awards. Your man, Bad Bunny's playing. Yeah, he is, and he's him and what's her name, Lolo Soto, the really big girl. Oh, oh, uh, Lizzo, 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 Soto. Whatever. Well, Doja Cat will be there too, Bob. Yeah. And, and. For the record, I have no idea what they've been talking about the last 30 seconds. No idea. I don't either. I don't either. All right. We're going to, we'll run the, we'll run the, uh, soundbite with Chris Sargent a little later in the show. But let me talk a bit about the, uh, about the scrimmage. Uh, here's what I saw in about two and a half hours out there. Uh, ba- you know, the pitching, uh, the, the guys that you think are going to be your weekend starters had apparently pitched on Friday, so they, they were not playing Saturday. Uh, this team is loaded with talent. Uh, this team has kids that can really hit the ball. Uh, Sargent hit three moonshots over over into the woods. I mean, he just crushed it. At one point, they had a freshman pitching against uh, – you, uh, you had Sargent, 
You had you had about four of, of the big stud hitters in a row, and it was kind of ugly. I mean, you know, they, they worked on the freshman pitcher pretty badly. Uh, forgive me, Luke, for forgetting the young man's uh, last name, the center fielder from Texas Junior College. Matt Edsel. Edsel. Matt Edsel. Is going to be a beast. Big, strong, runs like a deer. He's built like an Edsel. <laughs> man, I'm telling you what, he's a big kid, and he, he started running bases, and you're like taking a second look. Is he really that fast? Uh, really, really, really looks good. I, I think that, you know, uh, the big question right now is pitching, and uh, and we'll just have to see, right? You don't know, Kelly, till you put him out there. Yeah, but I don't think, with all due respect, Bob, I don't think it's that big of a, of a question. No, the the only question think. with the pitching is where they're going to fall in the in the pecking order, right? Yeah. But, I mean, there's tons of talented arms But you, there. I mean, right. I, it's pretty pretty – clear i think with it's hall maza adams and then oldham and you know adams or oldham could be you know back and forth we know what the back end's probably going to look like uh we we mentioned some last week uh but it's where where it gets important and this is where you got to think last year our starting pitching took us so deep in the games that it was basically like just handed over to to harper at the end What's going to be crucial this year for for some guys that their pitch count hasn't been that much. Oldham's different, but if you if you only get you know six innings out of your guys, who's going to come in in the sixth and the seventh? Who's going to come in and be the stop guy? Who's going to come in and and get the the out? You know who's going to be the situational pitchers? That's what we were so spoiled that last year was just Oz could look down there and it was a specific situation and you knew who was coming to. Now Rhodes will fill that. I, 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 he's got tons of experience, got uh, some some unique stuff. But I mean, without Chandler Best, who's gonna gonna ride the rise to the occasion? But going back to Edsel, Bob, you look back at, wow. at Panola College. This is what he did in two years. Wasn't that much of a power guy, but I will think we will see some of that from him this year. Hit 11 home runs in two years, but here it is. He batted 391, and you were talking about the speed. He sold, stole 36 bases. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a guy that uh, I think is going – I think this is the type of guy – that is going to thrive in Travis Creel's approach to offense. He average guy can run like a deer. I think that's what you're going to see, you know, with with Tate Parker in the lineup as well. Um, you start getting some of those younger guys. This is the type of guy that uh, that that gets on base, gets in scoring position where guys like Sargent cannot. Uh, that's in. a great observation. I was going to mention Tate Parker. He looked really quick on the base paths. He looked like he could really base hit the ball. Played well in left field. Tate Parker will be another big name you're going to hear this year. And, you know, coming out of high school, he had, he had committed to South Al initially and then uh, wound up at, at Pearl River. And then when he, when they found out the type of years he was having, South Al came calling again. He said, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and we so. say, Kelly, the cupboard is full. Uh, it's a great problem to have. You know, so when people say, I'm just not sure about the pitching. Look, it's not that we're not sure about how talented the pitchers are. It's just who's going to be where is what but, we're not sure about. Between those two guys, Etzel and Parker, 64 stolen bases in two years between the two of them, right at 410 in batting average. Yeah, so how often do you get guys that can steal and hit for power and average? Not very often. The cupboard is full, my friend. All right, Chris Mangum is in the house. Looking forward to this. We'll have him on the show right after this.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net sponsors this segment of the show. They're on Hardy Street. You can shop them uh, anytime you like. Campusbookmark.net. Want to remind you, you can hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. And we appreciate everybody uh, from around the country, actually, that we hear from uh, that finds the show via a podcast. All right, we've been excited about this guest. Chris Mangum is in the studio with us. He is a, a longtime NFL veteran, a former Southern Miss tight end coach. I don't think a lot of people knew about that. Of course, had a great college career at Ole Miss and then spent 10 years in the NFL uh, with the Carolina Panthers. And Chris, first question – you're really unusual in the respect you spent your whole career with one team. You don't you don't see that much, do you? Yeah, you don't, especially in today's time. It's just um, it is, you know, it, football's changed over the years for sure. And you see by schematically the way the games play versus you know run versus pass, but um, you don't see a ton of guys staying in one organization for that long. And I don't really know the reason why. Obviously, it's it's money, it's new contracts, people are trying to get certain type of players to fit their scheme so they're willing to pay for them. So uh, the game's definitely changed over the last few years. There's no doubt about it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, your brother John was only a Chicago Bear, right? Correct. Nine nine years. Yeah, so he spent – his brother John spent his entire career with the Bears. That is really – So I have to ask everybody that's been on the show that played in the NFL this because to me it's a fascinating question. The first time you took the field, you're standing there, the crowds are roaring – you got on a Carolina Panthers uniform, and you you're playing in the National Football League. Do you remember what that moment was like for you? I, I can remember my first play ever. It was the second half against the Green Bay Packers. I was a backup to Wesley Walls, who I'm still great friends with. Wesley got hurt. Another and, Ole Miss guy. Another Ole Miss guy. <laughs> Wesley had a great career. Uh, he hurt his knee on the last play of the first half, and. At halftime, they came and said, okay, it's your turn. I had just been called up off practice squad the week that week. The first play was a run play, though inside power, and Reggie White was lined up across from me. I remember Uh-oh. it for the rest of my life. <laughs> that and, was good. Buddy. Yeah, it was a good one. And I looked down, I was like, well, it can't get any harder than this. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, how'd that play turn out? Let's say he didn't go very far. He uh, <laughs> he, he was a pretty strong individual. Uh, he held. I didn't. It wasn't bad for me. I say that. I I've got a little confidence. Let's say that. Yeah. But how did you, how did you deal in the NFL with with the pay cut having playing at Ole Miss? Beforehand, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I tell you, time, as I said, times have changed in athletics, NIL uh, deals in college, and that's no that's no kidding, right? No kidding. Yeah, that's no kidding. So uh, you spent 10 years there, and I don't think a lot of people realize that when you left the NFL, you coached you coached Southern Miss tight ends. Yeah, for one year. That kind of transpired. Um, I had just retired in December, and I was, you know, I had spent – this was around right when camp started, and, you know, it was Fedora's first season. He had hired Barney Fiore as the tight end coach, and I had read an article about Barney – uh, was diagnosed with cancer and was about to start chemo treatments. I had there was a coach on staff that I had had a relationship through Ole Miss, and we kind of reached out. And then, long story short, Larry was basically I wanted to volunteer, no strings attached, just to help out, to help Barney out as he went through his chemo. Mm-hmm. And Larry was gracious enough to let me be a part of the team, do it. And then, obviously, uh, Barney's 
kind of, you know, his treatment got escalated pretty quickly and wasn't able to be around a ton. So I kind of took over the tight ends for that one year. It was a great, great experience. I mean, it was great to be on the other side of the, mm-hmm. you know, I guess things being a player for so long. And it's totally different from being a player and being a coach. There's no doubt about it. I enjoyed my time. George Southern Miss um, It's just, uh, you know, I, I think after playing for so long, it, it for me it became something that I'd had enough. It's kind of like it wet that palate for me that, that right. I was right. – you, when you do it your whole life, it's the only thing you know. So you wonder what else is there for me to do. Can I adapt to something else? And so it was a great experience for me. Glad I did it. Um and became really, you know, my dad played at Southern Miss in the Hall of Fame, great career there. So it was just awesome to give back and do and yeah. to, to get involved with Southern uh, Miss. And although you didn't have any experience as a coach, you had immediate legitimacy, it would seem to me, because you played in the league. And that's what every guy wants to do. Yeah, and I think you learn very quickly to be a good coach. You got to have good players, and I was fortunate enough. There was a really good tight end. He was a senior, uh, Sean Nelson. He's an unbelievable talent. It was fun to watch him grow and uh, just to put it all together on the field. He had a really good senior season. Ended up getting drafted like third round by the Jets. Mm-hmm. So it, it was fun to do that. Some great kids in that you know in that room: Jonathan Massey, Leroy Banks, and actually. One of the other tight ends is now the head coach for South Alabama. Kane Womack was a right? was a yeah. was a player, so he got to be in my room yeah. for the year. All so. right, uh, let's get in here with Chris, who looks like he could still play in the NFL. We Let's always joke going. with Kane, though. <laughs> Kane didn't play tight end. Kane played holder. That was what he did. So we we're, we're, we were we had him on the show uh, during football season, and and he took that in stride. Um, Chris, we should mention you, your dad, Gary Williams, by the way, of McGee, Mississippi, listens to Eagle Hour every day. Reminded me. That you, your dad, and your brother have are, are, all have their their numbers retired at uh, at McGee High School. That's pretty awesome. That is. That's that's an awesome awesome accomplishment. And it's sad. Was, uh, wow. Sad that McGee, you guys, is is next year they're consolidating with Mendenhall, so there won't be a McGee. Yeah. What do we What do we think about that, Chris? With the uh, you don't have to comment on the, that side of it, but but the Simpson County Super Bowl. I'm sure you have fond memories of that. I can remember, we actually played my senior year. We played in the Memorial Stadium. Remember Brandon Pearl, McGee Mendenhall. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, great, great rivalry. It has been for a lot of years. They have been talking about this consolidation since I was in high school. I can remember seeing, you know, different things that talked about. So I guess it is coming. Um, I'll just say. God, I mean, there is a ton of athletes that come out of that area, so it should be pretty impressive to watch the field. They, you know, the team they field over the coming years. It'll be really interesting to see which colors they choose uh, for that high school as well. So, um, because you finished your career at Ole Miss, you were never going to play the Golden Eagles, okay, on the football field. That's the joke that we have on this show's perennial that that Ole Miss has a great dodgeball team when it comes to playing Southern Miss in football. <laughs> anyway, but a lot of people forget that you actually played on the 1992 national championship team at Alabama, and you actually got to suit up against the Golden Eagles at a, I think it was in Legion Field in Birmingham in '92. That's right. We have it's a great team. I signed. Not many people know I signed with Alabama out of school. Won a national championship in '92. Uh, it was a great experience. Thirteen and zero Sugar Bowl. You know we beat Miami in the Sugar Bowl, and then uh, yeah, yeah, a great place. My brother played there, so I had a ton of connections. It was just something that was felt. It felt like the right fit. But then once you get somewhere and you figure out, hey, that wasn't the perfect fit for me it was it gave me an opportunity to go you know to kind of plot my home path in a, at a different school all right so tell me if this makes sense to you my son-in-law and daughter 
they live in Birmingham. He's a USM graduate. He tells me that early on when he moved to Alabama, he said, this happened to me a dozen times. So are you a, you a Tide or are you a War Eagle? And Chris would reply, I, I'm not either. No, I mean, are you Crimson Tide or are you a War Eagle? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not either. I, I went to Southern Miss. Oh. But if you had to choose, would you be a Crimson Tide or a War Eagle? Does that sound right to you? That, that's about right in that area, for sure. <laughs> they love their football there. They though. love it. They do. And, hey, the, what Nick Saban has done, I mean, you got to say, for that university is unbelievable. I mean, Greatest college coach ever? Yeah, I think you'd have to say that, no doubt. Can't argue with that, could you? Well, well, I thought you were going to put Ellis Johnson on that list, Bob. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> <ooh>. <laughs> yeah, that guy, was Chris Mangum. This cries are brutal. I'm yeah, glad Chris responded that way. <laughs> Chris, you you did have you know on that talk about your your different quarterbacks. I was just looking through the different quarterbacks of of uh, of the Panthers. You had Kerry Collins, you had Burline, you had Chris Winky one year. Good old Rodney Pete, um, and then I think you finished your career with with Delholm. But then you you know you had Jay Barker in college was. When you're a tight end, it seems as if, though, there is a special rapport that certain quarterbacks have with, with certain tight ends. We saw that in some of the championship games yesterday. Did you did you have a special rapport with any of those guys, maybe a little more than the than the other? Yeah, I would say DeLone. Uh, Jake and I, even off the field, we just had a unique relationship. I had my most productive years as a pro when he was there. Um, so, yes, I mean, I think it's just – you see that, like you said, and you mentioned it last night with Mahomes and Kelsey, just the rapport they have. You know, and, and the game's changed. Back in the day when I grew up watching it or even, you know, about the time I was in college, it was Aikman and Novacek. It was just, you know, those type of rapports. Totally different offenses, but you can see, like, your tight end's always been a safety valve instead of a main weapon as we are today. But Delahome was also a Louisiana boy. Yeah. So that, one of the – genuinely one of the best guys I've ever been around. He was in my wedding a few years ago. Um, just really, I mean – on and off the field, a quarterback, most people don't, you know, they see you on, in a game, right? But if you, you've got to win over the locker room. If you don't have the locker room as a quarterback, then your team is, you see it throughout the league. And he just had that something about him. He had a rapport with everybody in the locker room. Everybody wanted to be a part, you know, be, be around him, be a part of what he's doing. And that's how championship teams are built. Scheme, it seems to me, in the NFL is important. Oh, well. Yeah, we'll finish that thought. Yeah. We've got Chris Bangham in the studio with us. Ten years with the Carolina Panthers, uh, tight end coach. One year with the Golden Eagles. And, if he was uh, with anybody, if he was with anybody other than the Panthers, it might have been fifteen or sixteen years. But ten years with that with that organization. Play for Ron That's Rivera. Wrong. <laughs> no, I'm That's so George, wrong. Uh, Dom Capers, George Seifert, and John Fox. Okay, three coaches. Pay him no attention. He's a Bengals fan. We'll <laughs> be right time. back. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, 4th Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour. We appreciate all they do. Great place to have lunch Monday through Friday. Catch the next Southern Miss game. No matter the sport, they'll have it on the TV. 
at the 4th Street Bar Grill. I want to get right back to the conversation. We've got Chris Mangum in the studio with us. Very happy to have you here. Thanks for sharing some time with us. Ten-year veteran of the NFL, and uh, you'll always be known as an NFL player because, like you said, it is really a special – it's a special club. How has the game changed, the game you saw yesterday? How is that different than when you were playing? Well, I, I think the offenses have changed just from a spread you know, standpoint. Back when I played, when I first started, obviously a lot more running, two backs, two tight ends. Now you see guys that are just kind of – it's coming from the colleges with a no-huddle offense, spread offense. So I think that's the biggest, you know – change from a from a game standpoint but then you also see the nfl just how much emphasis they're putting on concussion protocol you know safety which when i played that probably wasn't so much the case uh you know like the, the quarterback that got hurt for the 49ers yesterday you know he hit his head and someone in the press box basically called down to have him taken out of the game that's changed and that's changed the way i think guys can play longer it's protecting the quarterbacks you know we talk about i mean those are two of the best quarterbacks in the league last night playing the late game, the NFL is going to do all they can do to protect those those players. Well, that's an interesting point you make, and that's a heck of a decision now being made because that virtually ended the 49ers' chances of winning the game. No doubt. I mean, to be – that's your fourth quarterback of the year. And make no doubt about it, I think when you guys mentioned 49ers have a great offense, great defense. I mean, you know, Christian McCaffrey fits that offense perfectly. They, You know, they made a move to get him earlier in the year. Um, so I hate to see that game play out like it did, but make no doubt about it. I mean, Philadelphia is loaded. They have got a stacked roster. They've got some depth. Their offensive defensive line is, I think, the best in the NFL. So, Mike still would have played out that way, but I hate for them, you know, to get to that point because it's hard to get there and to have your fourth quarterback go out, that's tough. I want to ask about schemes, Chris, when it comes to the NFL, particularly with the tight end position because even the layperson – if you ask them who was the tight end for the Patriots run, they'd be able to tell you that it was Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be able to tell you that Travis Kelsey is the now is the tight end for the Chiefs, that Zach Ertz, you know, with the Eagles. But yet if you ask them who the Jets tight end was or the Broncos tight end, very few people would be able to tell you because those tight ends aren't implemented the same way. Is it all about scheme and the tight end? Yeah, I think so, but it also has to do with the player. I mean, I think you build around – you know, the NFL is based on matchups, okay? And then um, every team doesn't have a Kelsey. Every team doesn't have, a, you know, a, a Zach Ertz several years ago or a Gronkowski. A lot of those, you know, the Patriots are still trying to find that replacement for Gronkowski. So those guys just don't walk around the street all the time. So it's a unique position to be able to block – you know, to, to run a route on a DB, block a defensive end, and to be athletic enough. I mean, so those they're just a rare breed to to see the kind of production you're seeing from some of these tight ends like a Kelsey. I mean, hey, he 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 made well very go down as the best tight end ever. Bet you know stat wise. Well, and Kittle with San Francisco is pretty yeah, good. And Kittle, I mean, so you just look around the guy from Philadelphia is a good player. You know, but Kittle's a great player. But just I mean. Those guys aren't, they're not everywhere on the street. So they're hard. Once you get them, it's easy. These coaches are so smart. They're, they're so good at, you know, matching up personnel for personnel that they can exploit anybody. The coaches probably don't get enough credit, but, but just like the players in the NFL are at the elite level, 
Is that true about the coaches? They're the elite coaches? Yeah, I, I think so. Well, I mean, like I say, you've seen it to where college guys can go go to the NFL and do well as you know, do well. I mean, it's just it's a two totally different games, college and NFL. And with college you're dealing with teenage kids, you're trying to recruit them, make them go to class. You recruit them every year to not go somewhere. In the NFL, it's like when you get a guy, it's like, hey, I'm paying you to do a job. I've got you for three or four years on this contract. If you don't perform, I'm going to try to find somebody else to come in and replace you. So schematically, from a standpoint of X's and O's, it's not a ton different. It's still a matchup game. And they're, they're, never before have the two leagues, college and NFL, been more similar than they are now. And another way I think it's fair to say you were really an unusual NFL player. You were there 10 years. You We've had players come on here, former players, that have told us they're always looking over their shoulder, always looking at the guy that's going to replace them. You really didn't deal with that, did you? Yeah, I think you always do. I mean, I, I think that's just taking pride in what you're doing. I mean, if uh, as soon as you stop doing that is when somebody comes in and takes your job. So I think every, every day you walk into the building, even today, I mean – you want to do the best job you can do, I mean, no matter what you're doing. So I think that's just come from um, – It's every day is a competition, and, and that doesn't just mean the sports. I mean, that's everything we do. We're always comparing ourselves to other others and kind of what you are what you put on paper or an NFL, that you are what you put on tape, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. To, Luke, get back in there with Chris. Chris, uh, you you do bank and and money and stuff. I found it intriguing today. Nick Saban basically told two recruits who wanted a combined $1.5 billion in name, image, and likeness that they probably needed to go play their college football somewhere else. Um, What what is your take? uh, And it doesn't have to be a hot take. It can just be kind of an observation about how, you know, NIL is affecting not just college football, but but kind of society as a whole now where – you know, the worth and value of, of athletes is now moving down uh, age-wise, not not money-wise or value-wise, but, I mean, you got, you know, 17-, 18-year-olds that say, you know, they're worth uh, this much money. We, we recently saw, you know, NIL deal in the 8 to $10 million range. It's just pretty pretty wild for former college football players like you and me to think through that. Oh, no doubt. And, look, and I, I want to say I'm not against kids making money. I do think it needs to come – from a uh, from Congress, or there needs to be some guidelines set in place to kind of cap it or limit it. I mean, what we have now is just is crazy, and I don't think it's sustainable. I just don't see, you know, what does this look like, and what does this look like in two or three years from now is what really worries you. And they've got to put some kind of guidelines around it to kind of make it uniform for everybody, um, because it's I don't and, and I don't do- like the way it is now. And do you mean that because as a as a football player as a professional football player you understood the concept of free agency, and you understood um, you know contract negotiation and all that. But I mean, right now, I mean, it's like free agency with no limits, basically, and right. anybody can be involved in it. Yeah, it's again, it's um, you know it, at least at the at the pro level when you sign a contract, you're bound to it for three to four years or whatever those limits are on your contract. When you sign it, you know this is. This is strictly year to year, and then if 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 you don't feel like your value is valued enough, then you just go to somebody else and let them put a value on it. So that's what I'm talking about. I mean, this is what happened to the NCAA. I mean, like 
what happened to where a, you know you would get in trouble for buying somebody a hamburger, but now you're going to allow <laughs> millions of dollars just to <laughs> flow through the system. So that's why that's what I'm going back to is just there needs to be some kind of parameters that make it some. I'm not saying fair for everyone because. It's not. It's never going to be fair for everyone, right. but at least put some guidelines in it to where everyone knows what they're dealing with. Well, it's when you combine it with the transfer portal, and we we've kind of hinted at this on the show. Eventually, you're going to have these, you know, um, athletic departments that protect themselves because if you get a kid a big NIL deal and then he bounces in the portal after a year with you know no consequences. I mean, people start taking care of themselves after a while. Oh, there's no doubt. It's, 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 it's a different world. Chris, if there were athletes that came up with a bunch of money, whether they're amateurs or pro- professionals, would you have any recommendations as to where they could put that money and perhaps I know a great plan bank. for their future? I know a great bank in the Pine Belt, Magnolia State Bank, no. and it's uh, locally owned. No, Did you yeah. like that softball I threw That's right. There? I appreciate that. No, it, it is. It's a... Um, it's a different world we're living in 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 the college arena right now. Now that was Magnolia State, I Magnolia mean, State Bank, and where is it located? Seven locations. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Pedal. Would there be one in Petal? There'd be one in Petal, Hattiesburg, Bay Springs, Taylorsville, Laurel. He's got it down, don't he? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, look, we got just a minute left, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball at you when we get off the air. But the minute left, I read where your first touchdown pass you ever caught in the NFL. Listen to this against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. So who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? You know, I've always I've always gone by the rule of take the best quarterback. When, but just watching the two games yesterday, and I, I'm an old offensive guy. You know, tight ends back in my day, I was probably more of a lineman than a receiver. Uh, but man, Philadelphia is so talented up front on both sides. You like of the, ball. the Eagles? I, right now, I just I just think that I would give a slight edge to the Eagles. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess is the line come out? I don't know. Two and a half. Eagles are our favorite. favorite. We got to be for the Eagles, guys. It's Quez Watkins, man. We got to be. For All the right. Quiz. So I didn't ask you. I didn't forewarn you this, but what would be the chances of you coming back two weeks from today and analyzing the Super Bowl? For yeah, you? I'll be. I'll be happy to do it. Okay. I can't think of anybody better to do it than Amanda spent I'm, ten years. I'm really playing. proud though of Kelly Sander because he did not ask you to analyze the officiating in either one of these segments as well. So Ooh, me too. <laughs> Chris Mangum, everybody. Thanks. So you come back in two weeks? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for we'll, having me. We'll look forward to having it. Eagle Hour continue right after this. Good times with Chris Mangum, former tight end for the Carolina Panthers. Of course, he lives locally from McGee High School. Appreciate his time with us on the Eagle Hour today. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Fourth segment, as always, brought to you by DBAT and D1. 
dbathattiesburg.com. Over the weekend, women's tennis defeated Florida A&M on the road at Tallahassee 4-2. to They will get back on the court this coming Saturday, 1 p.m. against Northwestern State. Cross country has been named an all-academic team for the 2022 season by the United States Track and Field Cross Country Coaches Association. Got to have between a 3-0 and a 4-0 to be named to that team. Lady Eagle cross country team, a 3815 as a team. Uh, pretty impressive, not only what they do in their running, but in the classroom as well. Congratulations um, to them. Uh, we, we wanted to just uh, let you know again women's basketball dropped a 62 52 decision Saturday to Texas State. Lady Eagles now tied in four, a uh, four way tie for second place with James Madison, Texas State, and Louisiana at seven and three. Men. On the other hand, defeated Texas State 67-58 Saturday, and they are uh, with uh, tied with Louisiana first place in the Sun Belt Conference at eight and two. Told you Friday uh, that Jason Brownlee was going to be uh, playing in the NFLPA Bowl, a collegiate bowl out in Pasadena, Florida, over the weekend. He led all receivers for both teams, three catches for seventy-eight yards with a long of sixty-one. Of course, setting up. Uh, uh, a, a great opportunity to be drafted, and Kelly reported last week that he's headed to the combine as well. So, congrats to Jason um, with that. Also, final uh, note: former Southern Miss head football coach Jay Hobson has been hired by South Alabama to uh, replace uh, Dwight Wilson, who came to coach cornerbacks. Coach Hop will be coaching cornerbacks as well for the South Alabama Jaguars. All right, I tell you what, let's hold the interview. We've, we've got a great interview with Christopher Sargent. We've got uh, another one with Danny Lynch, one with Coach Oz, and we'll hold those for middle part of the week because uh, I wanted to comment just a minute on the Jay Hobson thing. Surprise anybody? It did me because he, you know, he'd been working with some SEC schools. You know, in in consultant roles and things like that. No, he'd been at Mississippi State. He was a defensive analyst. Yeah, that's um. So, for, for is my understanding, you know, he's recruiting the state of Mississippi with all his contacts. So, I, I guess in Kane's mind, he re, he gets a guy who is recruiting Mississippi with a guy who knows Mississippi, and I mean, Hopson Hop can coach defense. He played um, in the secondary at Ole Miss, and that's what he coached. Uh, my first three years, I was at, at Southern Miss. So, I mean, I, I think anytime you bring somebody with coordinator experience on your staff, it's a big deal. Anytime you bring a former head coach on your, it's a big deal. So, from the South Alabama perspective, I mean, yeah, absolutely, um, it, it makes sense, you know. And I, I think it's a good hire. And of course, it didn't work out for Coach Hop here, but anybody that played for him loves the dude and thankful to see him, you know, coaching again. Yeah, he'll so he'll right be here recruiting against Southern Miss morning in Mississippi. Yeah, he will. Yeah, be. how about? Small circle, isn't it? Well, that that was that was why he was hired. I'm okay. sure. All right, two minutes left. We, another reason I pushed the interview back. We can't do this without getting your thoughts, Kelly. I know Luke and I were, and largely for you, man. We were pulling like crazy yesterday for Cincinnati. My wife was yelling at the TV uh, for Cincinnati. In the end, just a little short. And I know that I know that it's great to say that your team played the Super Bowl in the championship game, which it is great, but it hurts a little bit. Oh, yeah. 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 I know. Uh, and, and, look, I know a lot of people have been have talk, been talking, not not me, actually, but a lot of people have been talking about how inconsistent the officiating has been and just how, you know, the NFL wants to see Kansas City in the championship. And by the, 
by the way that Romo and everybody just worships Patrick Mahomes. It's like they would have been disappointed had Cincinnati won. I'm one of the few people that actually didn't think the referees called that bad of a game. Um, you know, I really, I, yeah, no, I, I really didn't. I, I, the, the holding call on Eli Apple, it was he had his arm around that receiver. Yeah. The now the faux pas with the third and fourth down with them getting an extra down. You know, the Bengals, you know, shut him down anyway. I just so it it. it that's the way it goes. I just wish the NFL would do something more about the reason we had the Patriot dynasty and the reason now we're having the Chiefs dynasty is they continue to make the number one seeds in the playoffs, the teams with the best records in their conferences. On paper, that makes sense. But the Chiefs are in a horrible division. Denver is awful. The Raiders are even awfuler, <laughs> if there is a word. So there's four easy wins. All right, The Patriots won all those games because the Jets were bad. You know, the Dolphins were bad. Now, they're better, and the Bills are better, and that's why the Patriots aren't winning so much. But, you know, Tennessee was the number one seed last year because they played in a lousy division. Where I'm going with is these higher seeds get more home games. The Chiefs almost always play the playoffs at home. It's a huge advantage. Where Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore are never going to get to be the number one seeds because they beat up on each other in a strong division. Uh, one quick thought: What you're going to hear for the next two weeks is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick, oh. the kid that you're not going to hear a word about is Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts has been a winner everywhere he's played: Alabama, Oklahoma. You heard Chris Mangum say he thought the Eagles had the best lines, defensive, offensive in the in the league. This hurts me to say that. I was just going to say that, but I think, oh man, I think Philadelphia might beat might beat Kansas City pretty handily. This is the Eagle Hour, man. This is the Eagle Hour. There's only one team to cheer for going forward in the Super Bowl, guys. Any team called the Eagles, all right? All right, the guys will have the show tomorrow. I'll be out making a living, and uh, we'll be back Wednesday. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.